Hello, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week, we have returning guest Jeremy Coe, and Jeremy talks to us about psychologically safe leadership and culture. If you feel like your workplace may need a culture boost or you want to know how to be a better leader, this is a great podcast for you. Enjoy. He's one of our favorite guests, so it's great to have him back. Enjoy and have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast for this week. This week, we're very excited to have a returning guest and our first ever guest, and we'll get to them shortly. Well, let's check in with the regular team and see how they're going this week. So this week, Alan, how are you going? I'm going great. Thanks, Jess. But it's something very different this morning. I've been down for my first swim in a hot and cold um, spa, I guess you'd say, and it was a lot more challenging than I expected. (laughs) Well, um, how did, what was the most challenging part, would you say, Al? Getting into the cold spa and probably the interesting thing that I learned talking to one of the other people there, I was asking the other people, you know, basically, why am I going to come back? And one of the guys said that anxiety is the reason he comes there. And what we worked out was he says when he's in that pool, he can't think of anything other than how cold it is and all those thoughts in his mind go and he is 100% present, which I agree. That is definitely a good way to look at it, Al. Uh, as you're diving into a cold pool, I like that uh, that idea. Also, Al, how did you, last week, last time we caught up with you, you were in a car doing driving, helping people drive. Tell us how that went. That's going really well, Jez. And- even that's something I'm learning there where a lot of the participants are actually really great at driving. Managing anxiety is the issue, which is something I'm looking forward to possibly bringing to that program. Yeah. And it's definitely a um, sort of relevant touchstone for today's conversation, which we'll get into a little bit, but thanks for that, Al. Oh, thanks, Jess. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, Graham, how are you going today? Hey, Jess, I am well. Thank you. Coming to you live from um, a room in Canberra, which now that I say it doesn't sound that exciting. No, I'm, I'm good. We've, we've had a good week. We actually had um, ran a workshop in Canberra yesterday for a client. So it's the first full day in-person session that Danette and I have run for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. From the so, undisclosed cool. location. Um, today, it's a secret, you know, I, <laughs> I could tell you, but then you'd know. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome, and um, I'm sure people will be able to see. You. I saw there were some photos taken, so people will be able to see what some of those things look like on social media. Yes. Yep. yes, so you can go check that out at Magical Learning if you want to see what that looked like. Yes, they looked great. And Danette, how are you going this week? Yeah, good. Um, so last Friday we had the fox have a go at the girls and all the girls have survived and thrived this week. So that's been good. And um, we had our first big frost the other morning. So thankfully the night before I bought all the chilli plants inside. So um very happy about that. So we've still got chilies growing on the chilli plants that I bought inside. Have good on. good job. And um, for Jeremy... And- Oh, yeah, sorry, go great. <laughs> right, I just wanted to clarify for people who may not mm. join us that often that uh, the fox having out with the girls, it wasn't the tree girls, the girls are chickens yes. and um, guinea fowl, not you know, girl bills, which mm. would be equally terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing, Graham. So glad there's a similar wave. Sorry, right I there. took your line. <laughs> no, that's good. And Jeremy, how are you going this week? 
Yeah, doing really well. I am very grateful to be back on the podcast, feeling blessed. Uh, and yeah, yesterday was a great day. I actually spent my first day in Fishburners, which is you know one of those big startup hubs. So seeing how I can serve in there, I'll be in there for the next couple of months and looking forward to a trip to Malaysia next week. So tying up a few loose ends before I head over there and visit some family. Nice. And it's a good time to go. Just as the frosts are starting to hit Jeremy, yeah. straight out of here. Um, awesome. Well, uh, first of all, we want to say thanks for coming back on. We really appreciate it. We loved our first conversation. And as I mentioned before, you were our first ever guest on the Magical Learning Podcast. And oh, great. And speaking of guests, perfect timing. We've got John joining us. Um, we'll get to him in a second. Um, but you're also our second ever returning guest, Jeremy. So it's really exciting to have you back on. Uh, but speaking of returning guests, John Scollin comes in right at the right time. How are you going, John? Oh, I'm wonderful, Jez. Just fantastic. Timing's everything, isn't it? That's it, exactly. Uh, but it's great to have you on. How's your week been? I was just saying to Graham before, it's been uh, quite interesting. I've had just a couple of mates sort of open up and talk about their mental health issues, which is, um, yeah, it's just been interesting and in, in talking to them and talking about all of that. So, um, and all for different reasons. So it's been an interesting week. I mean, that's great, John. And it's very, I mean, it's great that, you know, you've had these conversations. I think that's awesome. And then beyond that, I think it's also awesome that it's this week, we've got a great guest to be talking about this as well. So um, that's really exciting. Yeah, no, look, it is good. I mean, the common denominator is me, but I'm, I'm not focusing on that at the moment. I fear <laughs> it's their own stuff and it's not me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um anyway great to have you on john i'm so happy to have you here uh, now before we get into the conversation i want to bring people up to speed with who jeremy is so jeremy is a principal consultant at inspirational management australia and specializes in creating high performing teams through psychological safety he's coached and mentored business leaders at all levels and in every continent of the world except for antarctica so if you've got any listeners in antarctica please reach out to jeremy we want to tick that one off the list i'm not trying hard enough <laughs> jeremy also has a background as a chartered accountant formerly at kpmg until 2015 and a financial controller of the kelson group in hong kong in 2018 he's passionate about using data and evidence-based approaches to elevate team performance and well-being particularly in the midst of accelerating change uncertainty and interdependence so jeremy you're a perfect guest for this week we're so excited to have you on um now before we get into the team's questions and stuff i wanted to ask so the topic you chose for us this week was psychological safe leadership and culture great topic uh and definitely something that is always great to learn about um so i just wanted to ask tell us a little bit about why you chose this topic yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely uh, an area that is very near and dear to my heart. I, yeah, I'll just share a quick story in terms of how I how I got into the space. A couple of years back, uh, when I was working overseas and leading a team over there, and you know, I thought I was doing a pretty good job uh, until one day I had two of my key team members walk into my office, and they both handed me an envelope, one after the other. And then I opened up the envelopes and they both resigned. And so I was, I was pretty shocked, uh, honestly, but I was also very curious because, you know, I thought that I had built good rapport with the team and it seemed very out of the blue. So I, I had separate conversations with each of them to understand what their perceived challenges were, perceived problems. Uh, and, you know, they both said some version of the same thing around how they didn't feel like they had the the right level of trust 
in the team. They kind of felt like, you know, they were, um, someone was looking over their shoulder when they were working. So in, in other terms, they didn't feel, you know, psychologically safe enough in that team. And, and that was a, that was a failure on my part. And that was a real kind of moment for me where I recognized that I hadn't created the climate in order for them to be able to speak up with their concerns, but instead thinking that leaving the organization was the best option. So kind of from that, you know, flew a director in from overseas and held a working session with the team with the local manager as well. And it was great to see how the director facilitated and we all co-created an environment, a safe environment for that dialogue. We're, you know, grateful to say that by the end of that, both of those team members reversed their resignations. And so that was the, that was the insight for me where I thought about, wow, you know, what, out of all my previous roles, what did I really enjoy doing most? Like, what did I love doing? What inspired me most? And it really was the, the, the leadership, the coaching, the teaching, the mentoring, and, and specifically in this space of being able to create a climate of psychological safety. And I can get to a, you know, a, a more, a specific definition of what that looks like a little bit later, but essentially creating that space for people to bring their whole selves to be able to contribute and and uh, and to show up without fear, basically. So that's really how I got interested in the coaching and specifically psychological safety space. And so last year, did my graduate certificate in psychologically safe leadership with a Canadian university. Uh, and recently just been been certified to use a diagnostic tool called the Fearless Organization Scan, which is uh, endorsed by the, I like to call it the godmother of psychological safety research over the last two and a half decades, uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson. So yeah, really passionate about the space. And I think it, it's, a, it's a really um, important and effective means to elevate both team performance and well-being. That's amazing. Yeah, love that, Jeremy. What a great story as well. And I think it's something that is a amazing topic because I think all, you know, workplaces can use at least a little bit of the tips from this stuff to make sure that everyone's bringing everything as a team member because it always seems to bring more out of the team, you know. It's a so I love I love this topic. Um I actually think a great place to start is with Alan's question. So I might throw to Alan. Alan, what was your question and why did you choose it? Uh, thanks, Jess. Um Jeremy, I, I love the story you shared there. That probably answers a fair bit of my question. And, and I so relate to workplaces in the past where I knew something wasn't right but had no idea what it was. We were just doing the same thing we'd always done, which leads to my question, you know, what is psychological safety? Mm. And is it something that we can be measured to have that awareness around, you know, are we sort of getting this right or maybe we're just doing something else and we don't notice? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And when I think about what is psychological safety, I like to kind of use the analogy of, um, you know, think of a time when it was a, a previous team that you're a part of, maybe professional, maybe, you know, it was at school or at uni where you felt like saying something, like you had a comment or a question or a challenge or something. You felt like saying something, you felt like putting your hand up, but for some reason, there was resistance. It was kind of like something was invisibly stopping you from putting your hand up or opening your mouth. And so I like to think about psychological safety as the creation of the climate or the atmosphere that allows for more hands to go up and more voices to be heard. And so in terms of thinking about, okay, so how do we measure the degree of 
psychological safety within a particular context or team, there's two ways that come to mind. So one of the ways is, you know, objectively speaking, you can use data, you can use a tool like the fearless organization scan that I talked about. But in the absence of that, subjectively speaking, what is our own personal experience? So in a particular team that you're either a team member or a leader of, we can think about how open do team members in that team feel? How much do we feel that level of resistance in being able to um, speak up with a comment or a question or to admit mistakes without fear of being judged or, or humiliated or embarrassed or even punished for admitting mm -hmm. a mistake? And so that's the kind of working definition that Dr. Amy Edmondson uses is the creation of a climate where there is an essentially a low level or an absence of fear in, in speaking up and raising concerns and admitting mistakes. Thanks for that, Jeremy. It almost reminds me of something Graham said to me years ago. I was asking him what are the benchmarks of a great father? And one of those was you know, when he said children will always make mistakes. You know, they're teenagers, they will mm. do things that they're not supposed to do. And it's, you know, do they feel comfortable to tell us about what they've done? Thank you very much for that, Jeremy. Yeah, awesome. And great question, Al. Loved it. And thanks, Jeremy. Great answer. Um, I might just jump into my question now because then I think that that gives us some um, room to work with the following questions. And my question was, what does a great psychologically safe work environment look like? Yeah, absolutely. Great question, Jez. And when we think about a, a, a great psychologic, psychologically safe environment, uh, so Dr. Edmondson's got this great model that she, that she presents where you've got an environment that has an, a nice balance between high psychological safety as well as high accountability. Because if we think about, all right, so what does a workplace look like where we've got low psychological safety, but also no accountability, then that's kind of the apathy zone or what I like to call the meh zone where no one really feels motivated to do anything, but you know, no one really cares either. So there's no growth and there's really minimal innovation and performance. So then we think about, okay, so what does it look like where we've got an environment, which is probably all too common these days, we've got high accountability without the psychological safety. That's the anxiety zone. That's where we get stress, overwhelm, burnout, anxiousness. Okay, so what if we have high psychological safety, but low accountability? That's a bit of a trap zone. That's the comfort zone, if you can think about it, where it's like people feel comfortable. They feel like they're not being pushed too hard. But again, then motivation is also not really there to learn and contribute and innovate and grow. So therefore, the, the kind of target zone of a, of a great psychologically safe environment, which is combined with accountability, that's the performance and learning zone where we feel safe to learn, we feel included, we can contribute and we can challenge constructively without fear of being humiliated, judged or embarrassed. And then what that leads to is elevated performance for ourselves and the team and also elevated well-being. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what a good structure as well. That's That really made a lot of sense in my mind. So I loved that uh, display, Jeremy. Great 
Great uh, lesson. All right. Well, I might um I might jump over to Danette. Danette, what was your question and why did you choose it? I'm loving this podcast. Sorry, the chair's swiveling on me. <laughs> so my question was, what are some things that leaders do that actually stop people from feeling psychologically safe? Because I know that when people are aware of you know, what can stop it, that can make them help them reflect on themselves. So I thought it was good to sort of share that. So over to yeah. you, Jamie. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Danette, great question. And the the thing that comes to my mind with that question is ego. Ego has such a big impact, an inverse relationship, if you will, to psychological safety. Because, you know, if we think about uh, if a leader has high ego, then there may be certain kind of insecurities and, and scarcities that drive that. And as a result, uh, certain people, certain members might be excluded. For example, when we think about exclusion, oftentimes that's due to ego and insecurity. When we think about ego, uh, we I also think about uh, needing to be right, needing to be the person that seems like they know all of the answers and uh, you know th that th they're the person that everyone should turn to. And so that's another example where if there isn't a stage that's set for voices to be heard in the team, if the leader themselves is not demonstrating vulnerability and an openness and willingness to hear from team members, then that's going to create a low level of psychological safety. And I think thirdly, and perhaps most importantly, if there's, if there's one key thing to take away for, for a leader who's wondering whether or not uh, there is ego or whether or not there is psychological safety. One of the lines that I love is from Dr. Tim Clark, who wrote the four stages of psychological safety. And he says, the number one thing, the number one indicator that determines whether learner safety is granted or withheld is a leader's response, like emotional reaction to negative news or challenge. Because if we think about if someone in the team puts their hand up, has the courage and has the bravery to put their hand up and either come up with a challenge or admit a mistake that they made or something like that, and the leader reacts negatively because of ego, because it's pushed an emotional trigger or button, then that sends a signal both to that person and the rest of the team. And that sends a signal that it is not okay to admit a mistake or to ask a question or to challenge like this. And then when that, when that stage is set, that it's not okay, then that's going to diminish voice. It's going to stop hands from going up. It's going to minimize psychological safety. Great answer, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, and I'm actually going to stay in the Danette Graham box here. Graham, what was your question? And uh, tell us about why you chose it as well. I've actually got, uh, surprisingly, uh, I have two questions now uh, because I'm a chronic overachiever. And the first question uh, just came to me a minute ago and it was sort of pulling in something that Al shared with us in uh, the intro in terms of his week. And Jeremy talking about the model uh, from Amy Edmondson. And I'm just curious, Jeremy, as to whether you may have picked up on the opportunity for people in that um, 
high anxiety space. Um, you know, high accountability, low psychological safety equals high anxiety. Mm-hmm. With a, um, a daily plunge in a cold spa might be uh, an antidote for that, perhaps not. Al, there might be, there could be a, a sideline business. You know. um, the serious question. And I, I think, so the, the question sort of came from thinking about um, the create, like creating, you know, this safe environment um, in a workplace. Is that the sole responsibility of, sole responsibility of you know, the leaders? Mm. So what are what are some of the things that team members can do, or in your experience, what are some of the things that you've seen team members do that also helps um, contribute to that creating that safe space? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great question. And uh, Graham, so when I did my graduate certificate last year, I studied from a, a guy called Dr. Bill Howard, and he has this his his model around what is most effective in terms of creating psychological safety in a team and he very much says it's co-created between leaders and team members albeit the the most effective level so if we think about level one definitely leadership philosophy because the leader sets the tone but that's not the end of it when we have leaders that are role modeling the right or the most effective types of behaviors then level two is shaping culture And so we know that culture isn't just set by leaders, but culture is co-created between leaders and team members. So in that way, you know, it isn't just leaders that need to be, to be open, to be vulnerable, to set ego aside, to include others in the team members, because if you have a leader doing that and everyone else in the team is excluding and high ego and, and shutting people down and not helping each other, then clearly that's not creating the right climate or, or atmosphere either. So it definitely is a co-created space of psychological safety between leaders and team members. I will also add that with the cold plunge question, (laughs) I do, I personally do do cold showers, not every single day, but I have found it to be a, a helpful way of kind of challenging my physiology. If you're getting really uncomfortable being under that cold water and my mind's kind of yelling at me to get out of this, but then, you know, using breathing. So one of the things that's really helped me is to, when I'm in there, I put my hand on my lower belly to really feel my diaphragm expanding. And I've noticed that as soon as the diaphragm expands, then somehow I don't feel that cold anymore. But when the diaphragm's not expanding, my abs are all clenching up. That's when I start to shiver. So that's a bit of a tip for anyone out there that's doing cold showers and cold plunges. Nice. Thanks. Great answer, Jeremy. Thank you to both. Thank you. And for those that um, w- want to watch, uh, Al just gave a big thumbs up to that response, which I think is a... It's, so thanks for that, Jeremy. Great tip. Um, I'm for all the tips I can get in there, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> which, um, which sort of reminds... Sorry, Jess, just reminds me. Al, can you uh, perhaps arrange um, a video recording of the next Cold Plunge just so we can perhaps share that on social media? Um and I'm thinking TikTok. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but that's what I'm thinking. See <laughs> so what I can organise. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, um, I might throw to John now. John, what was your question and why did you choose it? I obviously missed something by coming in late, so I'll catch up later. But, <laughs> um, Jeremy, I guess cultural change takes a long time to... Cultures take a long time to change. So... 
you know, what's the sort of time frame for this to occur to get that psychological safety? Because I'm assuming it's not overnight. But more importantly, what are some of the ways that staff actually test psychological safety? Because, you know, throwing yourself in there and failing is never a good one for anyone. So whether mm. it's a cold water plunge or whatever, but mm. yeah. And I, I presume there may well be some acting out that, that occurs as part of that to test or I don't know. But yeah, mm. what are some of the ways staff test psychological safety? Yeah, great question, John. Uh, I'll answer that first part first in terms of the time frame. And of course, there's not there's not going to be a, a specific time um, that goes uh, in. Yeah. After X number of days or X number of months yep. doing this, then psych safety is going to increase. It really is that uh, you know single, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Or you know, the best time to plant a tree was 50 years ago. The next best time is now. That sort of thing, right? Uh, but so let's say that the, the wheels are in motion and we're doing the things that we think will help, i.e. we're role modeling the right behaviors. We're, uh, we're openly having dialogue within the team. How a person would know in, in terms of whether that climate is improving is, you know, when I think about that subjective experience, coming back to like Alan's question at the start, from a subjective point of view, if I'm trying to test the waters, if you will, I'm really going to do it in one of two ways. I'm either going to be the one that's going to put myself out there, ask the question, challenge, make the comment, put my hand up and see what happens. Or I'm going to wait for someone else to do it and see what happens. So it's really going to be a test and learn either from myself or via observation. And when everyone gets the chance or everyone starts feeling that the climate is rising and the atmosphere allows my hand to go up and I put my hand up and there's a positive reaction from the leader or team to my admitting a mistake or asking a question or coming up with a challenge, then that allows that sense of safety to disseminate throughout the team. And then everyone goes on that growth journey together. No, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Cool. I uh, I might go to Kanika's question now, and then I think I've thought of a bonus one just for the end. Um, so well, I've got, I maybe have a second question like Graham here, um, <laughs> but I'll jump to Kanika's. Are there any specific tips for psychological safety measures or training that can be put in place for women and people of color? Yeah, I thought that was a great question because if I refer to both Dr. Tim Clark's work and if I refer to uh, Dr. Edmondson's work as well, inclusion and diversity, it's fundamental to both of them. And so when we think about uh, you know, minority groups who, who tend to have experienced kind of more exclusion than others, then if I was to focus on inclusion and diversity and how do we make sure that we are creating inclusive environments, then ultimately where I think that self-leadership comes to it it comes back to ego as well it comes back to being able to set ego aside so that irrespective of who people are or or where they came from or what level they are you know we're not treating them differently we're not playing favorites or or otherwise because that that actually reminds me of a a study that google did a couple years ago which really kind of put psychological safety on the map It was called Project Aristotle. And they did a study of 180 teams to determine what drove team effectiveness at Google. And they looked at things like gender, pay, 
where people went to school, you know, all like a whole bunch of different data points about specific individuals to see if they could find any, any drivers in terms of, you know, who people were and where they came from. And what they found was quite surprising, but it was less about the individuals themselves, who they were and where they came from, but it was more about how they worked together and their inter-team dynamics. And above all else, number one was psychological safety. Psychological safety was the biggest contributing factor to team performance at Google. And so, so with that, it's, it's about how do we make sure that, you know, even if we have the brightest minds in the room, how do we make sure that we're setting them up for success so that we can collectively tap into all of that knowledge, all of those insights and all of those resources? That's perfect because that leads me into my kind of final question here, Jeremy, which is um, I love your passion about this. I think it's a great topic and exactly what you just said. It's so important. I guess my last question was just like, when say uh, I'm a business owner and I'm like, wow, this all sounds really good. Um, but I can see, you know, you're saying it helps teams and obviously it's going to help retain employees. If I'm thinking about getting into this, what are some benefits that I can think of? Like if I, if all of a sudden I have a nice psychologically safe uh, workplace, what are sort of the knock-on benefits of that? Oh, there's so many, Like you can think about if you have a psychologically safe team that are, and you balance that with accountability, then of course you're going to have elevated team performance. So you're going to get the, the business results. You're going to increase your top line. You're going to find efficiencies. You're going to improve productivity. Uh, like you said, you're going to retain more of your key talent as well. So your costs of, uh, you know, rehiring and retraining and recruitment and all that sort of stuff, that's going to go down as well. Um, if you've got an environment that is particularly in that low safety anxiety zone, then, you know, you run the risk of legal claims, workers' comp claims, that sort of thing. So if you're elevating psychological safety, you're mitigating those financial risks as well. Um, and then I guess on a, on a personal level as well, you're going to also experience that same level of elevation in your own personal performance and elevation in your own personal well-being as well, given it is a co-created space. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Well, um, I might grab some uh, final thoughts from everybody. What a great conversation, Jeremy. I've learned, I feel like so much and there was like so many bits and pieces to take away. I'm definitely going to have to listen back to this and write down some more notes because it was uh, just so information dense in a great way. Like, I feel like I just learned so much today. So thanks so much for that. Um, I'm going to go to Graham. Any final thoughts on today's conversation? Um, no, great. Great conversation, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, there is so much to unpack in all of this. Um, we probably need to get you back again if you want to come back. But uh, yeah, I, I just I like the um, I, I I love the conversation. End of story. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, I might go to Danette. Danette, any uh, final thoughts on today's conversation? I, I like that it's co-created. I also really like that bit about the ego. So for leaders in terms of their learning, they need to get to know themselves, what triggers them, um, and to become more intentional when they show up at work, particularly if you know things are happening that they're not happy with. So to come back to how do I get calm and curious versus reactive, because one of those I'm assuming kills the trust pretty much straight away if you react really badly. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Danette. Um, yeah. Um, Alan, I'll throw to you. Any final thoughts on today's conversation? I love what Danette said about calm and curious. The big thing that I wrote down here is how do I respond when someone comes to me, whether that's at work or whether that's here at home with my family or just generally anywhere in the community. Awesome. Thanks, Al. And uh, John, any final thoughts on today's conversation? No, I really enjoyed it, Jeremy. And, and yeah, it was dense with information and, and looking around the screens at various times and just people head down and you can see they're writing and writing and writing, just listening to what you're saying because, yeah, it is very important. For me, the takeaway was an absence of fear um, within the workplace, you know, fear of reprisals, fear of, you know, being ridiculed or whatever it is, that absence of fear is fantastic if you can get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, definitely for me as well, that sort of the four quadrants you were talking about to me yeah. made total sense. And I reminded me a lot of, um, you know, other workplaces that I've been in that sort of, you know, I could put, I could put different things as you were saying it, I could put different things in those categories. I was like, wow, this is a uh, very helpful. So thanks for that. Um, Jeremy, any final thoughts you have on today's conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so first and foremost, very grateful to be back on. I would love to come back on again. And just with those last shares, I guess that did remind me of one of my favorite quotes, which I think would probably be a good one to end on. I'm going to paraphrase this, but it was uh, from a wise man, Albert Einstein. He said that one of the most fundamental questions we should ask ourselves as humans is whether the universe is a friendly or a hostile place. For if we perceive that it's hostile, we're going to build up walls and build weapons for protection to keep ourselves safe. However, if we perceive that it is a friendly universe, then we're going to roll, we're all, we're going to use our energy into understanding. And so I wonder if we can all collectively agree to use our energy from a place of understanding and curiosity. Great quote. That was perfect. Thank you, Jeremy. Now, before we let you go, if people have listened to this, they're like, wow, that was amazing. I need to get some of this into my business. Where can people find you, Jeremy? Sure. So I'm on socials. So you can search up my name, Jeremy Co, K-H-O-H, or Mind CFO on Instagram, M-I-N-D-C-F-O. And I would highly recommend following it. I follow it. There's great content that comes up all the time. So that's awesome, Jeremy. Uh, I want to thank you so much for the conversation today. What a good one. Uh, And to everybody that's been listening at home and sharing and stuff, uh, have a magical week.